Yeah, I still think James Worthy thinks my name is podcast to this day. Uh, (laughs) At least he knows you. At least that's something. to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? All right, welcome everybody to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. Uh, today, really special guest. I had uh, Taco Trey Kirby on uh, about a couple weeks ago, um, and that was a pinch me moment. Now I have another one here today with a number member of the No Dunks Inc. crew. Uh, Lee Ellis is joining here, and uh, man, I I cannot thank you enough for hopping on. I said this to to, to Trey back when I had him on uh, previously, and I'm going to say it to you again probably literally would not have the show if not for uh, everything you guys have done for for the blogosphere and the podosphere so so thank you very much for hopping on and thank for 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 everything over the years my pleasure anthony thanks for having me and uh really i mean it's skeets tass and jd i think who deserve so much of the credit because they were the original pioneers and yep. you know uh what you just said about me i mean i honestly need to thank them always almost every day because they had a well, I don't know if it was a vision or not, but they certainly tried something different uh, 15 or 16 years ago, and uh, it really did change the way that uh, certainly basketball has been covered since then. And, um, yeah, th- those guys were just tremendous in getting things off the ground. So uh, it's certainly good to know and nice to know that other people have then, you know, been inspired by what we've done collectively as a, as a group. Um, so it's great to see more people out there getting a chance to, to, to do what they love to do as well. Yeah, I remember. I remember uh, listening to the Basketball Jones way back then, and and then all of a sudden, this dude with this awesome accent shows up, and he's talking about solid basketball and all these things that I've just, I, you, you and I, I think see the game very similarly. I really love solid role players, role players who know what they can and cannot do and stuff, and you know to hear that and then to he- see where you and the whole show has gone, um, and then how everything has kind of been built, you know, peripherally. As as podcasting has become this monster that it's become, it's been it's been really cool. Um, I, I just really quickly before we move on to you know today and stuff like that, but what role like how how did that kind of come to pass? You're you're watching basketball halfway around the the, the world at that point. Um, you know how did your love for basketball start, and then the relationship that you built over the years with with the basketball Jones? How all how did all that happen? Well, you know, growing up in Australia, I was a big basketball fan and I played basketball. But, of course, getting access to the NBA was very difficult in the late 80s mm-hmm. and early 90s. There was no cable TV and internet. So I, um, it's funny that you may have heard this story. In fact, I'm sure you have if you've been a, a fan of ours for a long time. But my brother got hold of the 1987 All-Star Game. And that mm. was the one in Seattle there in the Kingdom where Rolando Blackman hits the two free throws and the game goes to overtime. And the West comes back from a, a double dif- digits deficit to win the game. Mm-hmm. And that was the first game I ever saw, full game. I'd seen a few highlights, you know, Dr. J and Larry Bird and Magic and stuff like that. But that was the first time I saw a game. And that really just was like opening up a treasure chest. I was like, all right, I, I, I want more. I need more. I need yeah. to, you know, learn more about the NBA. And so 
Um, it was difficult, but I, I managed to sort of get my hands on Hoop Magazine and Basketball Digest and USA Today newspapers because they always had the box scores and a little paragraph yeah. or so about a, a few games. But also um, the Los Angeles Lakers were kind of my first team that I followed because James Worthy was my favorite, first favorite player. He should have been the All-Star Game MVP or up to halftime of the 87 All-Star Game. James Worthy was probably the MVP there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and my oldest brother, um, he actually wrote a letter to the Lakers and uh, I didn't think anything of it. But then one day, you know, two or three months down the road, he got a, a photo and some stickers and a letter and they said, thank you for your support. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> there's a connection here to the Los Angeles Lakers. And so I started firing off all these letters and the Lakers wrote back to me several times. I think they decided after a while, like, all right, we're not writing back to this guy because I was just writing a letter every other week or so. <laughs> um, you know, when you're a kid, if you get that sort of response, oh, yeah. it just fuels you to keep on, on on writing. So, you know, from there, then I started writing to just every team and the league and and um, and, I, and most of the teams and the league office responded to me. And so it was just this incredible sort of, you know, love affair that I had with the NBA, but I just couldn't still watch it like people can now on league pass and it's you know mm-hmm. on the internet you can watch it uh, there so you know it started from there and then as i uh got into my late teens and 20s I, I i lived in england for a while then i lived in canada for a while and living in toronto was like oh my god like finally i'm sort of living this nba dream following the raptors mm-hmm. and it was the first the first season i lived there was when the vince carter Allen iverson playoff series happened and and um so from there i went back to england and i did come back to canada and I met a girl who uh, became my wife and we're still married today. And awesome. uh, then I started working at, 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 at an all sports Canadian TV network called The Score. It was at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's when the Basketball Jones joined. And we we connected from there. And then, um, and then you know, as the show grew, NBA TV showed an interest in us. And we moved down to Atlanta uh, in 2013 and did the show on NBA TV there for six seasons. So... Um, you know, it's, it, there's there's a sort of a few more layers, of course, there to the story, but that's a, the brief overview that I was just a always this uh, passionate basketball fan, and I played, um, and the NBA was always the the sort of goal. You know, like I always wanted to make the NBA as a player. Didn't yeah. quite work out, but uh, in a roundabout way, I still like to say that I, I made my dream to make it to the NBA. You got you got to shoot uh, half court shots in an All Star game, though. That's you know that you set foot on on an NBA court, and that was all that was all great. So. Well, well, well. The half court shots were at the no, summer league. A, the, oh, oh, I thought. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. yeah, I, I, I actually did get to have a shootout with Isaiah Thomas, uh, like Hall of Fame Isaiah Thomas, at um, a couple of finals games. I, I went out there for NBA TV, and uh, the funny thing was Isaiah Thomas. You know, again, one of the first final series I ever really followed was the '88 finals, where mm-hmm. Isaiah was incredible and. You know, the Pistons probably win that series if he doesn't roll his ankle. Yep. Um, and, you know, I was uh, I, Isaiah was the sort of guy that I modeled my my own game on because, you know, you, you can't really model a ga- your game on a guy like James Worthy, who's six foot nine when you're only <laughs> five foot three yourself. You know, but I, Isaiah Thomas was, you know, barely six feet, maybe six foot one in shoes there. And the, the way that he was able to, you know, compete and play against those bigger, taller guys, we always assume, you know, players generally are, are, are the tallest athletes in the world mm-hmm. and Isaiah went toe-to-toe with all those guys and uh so for me to then you know uh what 25 30 years later get to have a shootout on the court with Isaiah Thomas I mean it was it was just an incredible uh life experience for me and 
Isaiah, you know, I say he's a friend of mine now because, uh, you know, we've exchanged That's messages awesome. from time to time. I obviously don't see him anymore because we don't uh, work at NBA TV there. But uh, just yesterday on, on uh, Twitter, we had a little exchange there because uh, something happened with Tim Hardaway Sr., who uh, mm. told me a story one time, or, or Isaiah told me the story that Tim Hardaway was the one who kind of sent him into retirement. Isaiah, at the end of his <laughs> career, got crossed up so badly. That crossover, that yeah. Was yeah, that he knew it was time to retire. So, um, you know, for, for a kid, when I was 12, 13 years of age, and I had posters of these guys on my wall, like Isaiah and, and James Worthy and some of the Lakers players, to get to meet those guys and talk to them later in life was uh, just just incredible. And, and you know, you talk about a pinch me moment. I, I had almost every day there at uh, NBA TV. I was, I was oh, like, I oh can imagine. God. Yeah, I can't <laughs> believe. Like, I, I took a poster in a poster in one day that I had on my wall out of the Hoop magazine, and I said to Isaiah, like Isaiah, you know, I used to have this on my bedroom wall. Yeah, and he signed it. Yeah, he signed it for me, and I took a photo, and it was like, um, this it, it's wild. It's wild. That's too. crazy. You know, if you would have told 12, 13-year-old me that one day I'd be, you know, friends with Isaiah Thomas, it just, uh, it wouldn't have made sense because it's not only, it's not only, you know, every kid has a dream of something, but for us in Australia, you know, you yeah, feel geographically, just, yeah, so far away from from that, um, you know, so, so many sort of things have to fall in place for that to happen. And, and when it did, you know, uh, people have said to me, were you nervous then? And I was like... I, was, I wasn't really nervous because I felt like I knew Isaiah and I knew what I was going to talk to him about. And, and mm. it felt like I knew him, even though he had no idea who I was. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Yeah, I still think James Worthy thinks my name is Podcast to this day. Uh, <laughs> hey, at least he knows you. At least that's something, you know. Like my, uh, my parents still have no real idea what I do for a living. Every time I mention, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever, like the, you know, I have a podcast and I do audio video stuff for Vox, and they're like, okay, that's great yeah. or whatever. And I remember telling them, yeah, I'm going to go into Spectrum and I'm going to record a show with with uh, James Worthy, and that's when finally my dad goes, oh wow look at that you know and yeah and uh i guess you know just quick version of the story i show up he's standing there at the end of the hallway you know james worthy has his big booming voice oh yeah and um he's standing there at the end of this like cavernous hallway and i show up and it's harrison and i where we're gonna record back then it was locked on lakers so uh stacy who was uh running their pr says hey james anthony and harrison are here he, you, they're gonna pull you into this room you guys are gonna record a a podcast together and he just screams down from the end of the hallway yeah 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 podcast that's that guy that guy's <laughs> podcast over there and i swear <laughs> for for like uh we did it for two more two more seasons they still had their night that you would show up and record a show with them and the very next year that we did that he shows up he shakes my hand and i say hey how's it going uh, Mr. Worthy, he goes, oh, come on, podcast, I'm James. <laughs> and yeah. I, thought he, I thought he was being serious, but he was messing with me. He said, no, yeah. I know your name is Anthony. How's your family and doing all that? And same yeah. thing as you. It's just like, James Worthy knows my, what? Yeah. What is this yeah. world? What are we yeah. doing here? Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, especially because of the, the, the Showtime Lakers, that's one of those eras that like, you know, really birthed the current sort of. Yeah crop or, or the current sort of way the nba is now i mean if you look at any of those highlights from the 80s i mean magic johnson you've got a guy named magic johnson who's the most sort of charismatic entertaining yeah. player you know playing in los angeles jack nicholson's on the side there pat riley the sort of slick back uh hair coach like yep. it was just too perfect you know and then you got the rivalry with the boston celtics of course and larry bird i mean 
what an incredible era uh, for the for the league. And and you know, I, I just wonder if you know if that doesn't happen, is the league quite as big as it is today? I mean, possibly, but uh, not. certainly, I certainly I feel that was so important to just the marketing and the branding of uh, of the NBA. Yeah, it's funny, you know, you, you mentioned the way that the game is played now and and the impact that that rivalry had on it and that team specifically. It was a pace and space era, right? Like, obviously, it was very different because you still threw the ball into Kareem, you know, 40 times a game, basically, and something happened after that. So in the half court, it's very different. But the notion of get out, run, you know, force turnovers um, and, and get out and try to space the floor so that uh, James can or, or uh, Kareem could have his post touches or James was was very good in the mid to pinch post as well. Um, you, that's, those were the seeds kind of, kind of, of the way that the game is played now. Oh, absolutely. And, and again, you've got Magic Johnson who loved to pass and he didn't just like pass, you know, the fundamental stuff. He liked to make it oh, yeah. with a little bit of sauce on it there as well. And, and, and that, again, that's, his that's name wasn't people... fundamental Johnson. It was exactly. Magic Johnson. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, and, and again, I, I've never met Magic, unfortunately. Um, but you know, when you, when you see him talk and the way that he's, you know, emotional and he's, and he's energetic and he's, and he's high, yeah. you know, like everything about magic just encapsulates that name and that personality. And you just can't imagine that being the same way. Um, if a guy was playing for, you know, the Indiana Pacers or someone like that, like right. it had to be Los Angeles, it had to be showtime. It had to be everything about um, what magic made just so special about the Lakers. You know, you either love the Lakers or maybe you weren't a fan of theirs, but you certainly couldn't say you weren't entertained yeah. and that he didn't at least draw all those eyeballs. And, uh, you know, that that's the thing about Magic Johnson. I mean, again, the name, the team, the colors, everything about uh, the Showtime Lakers was just fantastic television. Yeah, it's. I, I still remember I was having a show just last week with um, Aaron for The Hook, and we were laughing because when I was growing up, uh, pre-YouTube, you I would go to the video store and the highlights, highlight films and stuff that you would rent was all magic johnson had a showtime one and and larry bird had a had a i think it was like magic at the garden was was the name yeah. of it or something or something along those lines and and every other week or so i rented one about isaiah thomas i went to one about about so that era of basketball I, you know it's funny we're kind of united and and yeah that's what got us both really just fascinated with this game and and then the game to 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 evolve the way that it has now where you know, you have Magic back then, 6'9 point guard. Now LeBron, 6'9 point guard on the Lakers running these fast breaks. It's wild to see time being a flat circle there. What do you think of these current Lakers? Like, Where, where, where do you stand on, on the season that they're having? Well, um, you know, I didn't think the signing of Westbrook was a great fit for this team. Um, mm -hmm. You know, splashy signing, you know, bringing the California kid home. And Westbrook is one of those, uh, again, you know, high dramatical sort of guys. He likes to get out and yeah. run and he likes to pump the crowd up and all that. But I think LeBron's teams are at their best when LeBron can kind of, if he wants to be point guard, he can be point guard. If he wants to be in the low post, he can do whatever he wants because he's such a dominant player. So I didn't think it was a great signing. They're, what, 13 and 12 now. Uh, they've had some good wins. I think, in fact, last night was probably their most impressive victory against mm -hmm. the Celtics of the season because that, to me, felt like a statement victory there, especially in that third quarter. The Lakers have struggled. They came out and played much better. And it was almost like almost sending a message as well, like there seems to be a bit of, uh, you know, rumors circulating that maybe Frank Vogel's time is he's on mm -hmm. the hot seat. 
a victory like that to me is almost a symbol to say, no, this is our guy. And, and, and who knows? I mean, things can change very quickly there. But, you know, I think everyone in the media at some point uh, has probably looked at a LeBron team, whether it's Cleveland, even Miami perhaps, and now in Los Angeles and thought, mm, I'm not sure this is the right team this season. I'm not sure they can do it. But, of course, LeBron's made us look foolish at one point or another. So uh, yeah. he's always going to have that sort of default that LeBron has another gear. He can turn things up. He can change in the playoffs and become just that player who's who's virtually unstoppable. So while he's on the court and he's healthy, the Lakers are always a chance. But I would I would say that this is probably the 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 least convinced I am that all the other parts around him fit and work, excluding Anthony Davis. And even Anthony Davis, to this point, to me, the numbers are okay, but the eye test tells me he's either yeah. carrying a few injuries, you know, and, and a lot of guys are, you know, whether it's a bit of an ankle or a knee or a hamstring, whatever it is, but he hasn't sort of really put his stamp on. Anthony Davis should be the best player on that team mm-hmm. at both ends. Of, he's in his prime. You know, he's an, he's a tremendously athletic player. He can spread the floor. I haven't seen that yet from him. I've, I've seen him have some moments, but I think maybe it's Kirk Goldstein, I'm not sure. You know, he's pretty much the least efficient sort of mid-range shooter Jump right shooter. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that, but again, we're only 25 games in. So, the, you know, it's a long season. Um, things, the Lakers still have plenty of time to work it out. But if Davis and LeBron aren't really at the top of their games, I'm not convinced that those uh, surrounding pieces are the right fit for a LeBron team. You know, I, I, I think Rondo, he was good when they won the championship. He hasn't really done much this season. Kendrick Nunn, same sort of thing. He can shoot. We saw him in he Miami to shoot, but. Yeah, he's barely played. Uh, Ariza hasn't played, but he's not. Gonna, he got uh, absolutely torched by uh, Giannis in the playoffs last season, so I'm not sure he's going to help out. And even Dwight, I thought Dwight was good when they won the championship, but uh, he wasn't good last year in Philadelphia. And I think you know, often what happens is guys just they just show their age. You know, the, yeah. the game catches up with them after a while. So you know, Malik Monk, he he's the sort of player if he's like fourth or fifth on the roster where it's like you just sit in the corner, wait for LeBron to get the doubles and then shoot threes. Mm-hmm. That can be a role for him. But uh, I think he's almost probably been asked to do a little bit too much as well so far. So, you know, LeBron deserves a chance here to get things right. Um, but you're going to need to start seeing something soon. Some, some more of those convincing performances like we saw last night, because otherwise defensively, the Lakers have not been locked in at all. They're, they've really given up yeah. a lot of easy baskets. And, Especially uh, and by Frank Vogel standards, like yeah, he's a, and it's not you know yeah, it, it, teams just don't they're not intimidated. They they'll go into the paint knowing that they can either get a good high percentage look or kick it out to someone on the perimeter. And also, and the other thing is LeBron. Some of his Cleveland teams didn't have a huge, super high defensive rating because he was able to just turn it on. But again, he's going to be thirty-seven in a couple of weeks. Here, as great as he's been throughout his career, you know nobody's Superman in that sense that uh, Mm -hmm. things, and and I think we've seen it as well. Like, you know, he missed some time already this season with some injuries that we haven't seen before. So he, he keeps himself in great shape and he is capable of doing some things that other players aren't, but uh, you know, 25 games into the season, I think you, you know, you'd have to be a little concerned if you're a Lakes fan, especially look at, you know, the way the Suns are playing, the Warriors, those teams are always probably going to be, more or less in the positions they're in now. Yeah, the 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 West I think is more mediocre than I thought 
it was going to be heading into the season. And then the it's better at the top of the, the conference than I thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. I thought, you know, the Lakers were going to be right there with, you know, Utah and Phoenix. I didn't think Golden State was going to be the world beaters that they that they have been. It's been it's been a fascinating year. You mentioned in passing Frank Vogel and 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 the way that the season has played out. Seems like everybody has to you know, has a uh, a faction of all right. Is it is it front office's fault? Is it the stars' fault? Is it Frank Vogel's fault? Uh, with the Lakers being just a game over five hundred so far this season, um, do you find yourself kind of more in the middle there, or do you do you are are you on one of the islands? Ultimately, a coach is only as good as the players that he has, um, mm-hmm. and you know even legendary coaches like. Bill Jackson, you know, Lakers fans know him obviously very well. Greg Popovich as well has said it. Like, you know, you can, everyone's got ideas and strategy and how to play, but if you just don't have the personnel, it makes it very difficult. Frank Vogel, when he was in Indiana, went to the conference finals uh, at least twice there with the Pacers Mm -hmm. and had a very good defensive team with Paul George, David West, Roy Hibbert. You know, when he went to Orlando, he he, he did nothing because he just didn't have the personnel there. So, you know, Wow, Frank Vogel's lucky to even be coaching again in the NBA. In fact, he wasn't even Lakers' first choice, really. He no. was probably third or second. on there. Yeah, yeah it was was Monty and, and Ty Lue there. And, and Ty Lue basically said, give me more money. And the Lakers said no. So Frank got a chance and he goes out and wins a championship. But, of course, he had LeBron James. Luke Walton, I'm sure, would have loved to have had LeBron instead of uh, Brandon Ingram that he had. You know, Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it comes down ultimately to the players you have, how healthy they are, and then how hard they play. Because mm-hmm. I think as well, the Lakers front office is kind of, Vogel's got, uh, he got a one-year extension in the offseason. Yeah. yeah. Which is one of those, you know, it's like we yeah. don't really believe in you all that much. Mm-hmm. But also we probably owe you this because you did win a championship. And then in the playoffs last season, of course, they lost to the Phoenix Suns. Um, but injuries, you know, there's a bit of a built-in excuse there. But by giving the guy the one-year extension, it, it's kind of saying to him, like, you're perpetually on the hot seat here, like a bad start. We, we're basically thinking of firing you. You're going to have to do something to make sure yeah. that you don't do that. So that doesn't install a whole lot of confidence in the coach. I mean, to be like, wow, you're, you're basically just sort of extending things out here. But if they really believed in him and they really wanted to show that confidence, they'd say, here's four years. You know, $25, 30000000 million, that's the sort of thing you expect from the Lakers. What Milwaukee did with Bud, right? Like Bud won a right. championship, immediately got four-year deal. Exactly. And and that's, that's I think, what Bud, if they didn't win the championship, probably gets fired too. I mean, yeah. Kevin Durant step on, didn't step on the line there. Maybe Budenholzer is not even coaching in the NBA right now. So that just shows how fine the line is there. And, and <laughs> yeah. again, ultimately, it just comes down to the, the players that you have. I mean, if you put Greg Popovich right now on the Oklahoma City Thunder, maybe they Doesn't win matter. a handful of more games, but right. But they're not all of a sudden like, well, now they, they're going to compete for the championship. So, um, you know, Vogel, I think understands the the pressure and the expectations he's under. He's always going to say the right thing because, you know, he, he wants to keep coaching the Lakers as long as he can. Uh, but with the roster that he's got, his, his task has become a lot harder. I think this season, I think they were a better team last season with guys yeah. like Kuzma and KCP because and Schroeder as well, because I think those guys just fit more with how LeBron likes to play. Bring in Westbrook again. Yep, great, big name, splashy name, you know, but ultimately I'm not sure he's the right fit next to LeBron, certainly at this stage of his career. 
Yeah, it felt, I, I said at the time, and I, I still think I feel this way, that it felt like a, a ceiling raiser. That if it works, if LeBron and Russ and AD can find a way to work and all click at the same time, I think the team this year has a higher ceiling than it did last year. But it also lowered their floor. Because if it doesn't right. work, they don't have the solid role players that are not on minimum contracts to be able to help LeBron play at his optimized level. And, and I think that's basically what we've seen so far this season. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. If you look at Westbrook last season in Washington and the season before that in Houston, both times he started off kind of slow. He wasn't quite sure of his role. Yeah. I mean, the Wizards last season was 17 and 32 at one point, and they turned it around, made the playoffs. Now, uh, I think they got swept by the Sixers in the end, but mm -hmm. the, the point being that Westbrook did get back to being the, the guy that he is, make, getting those triple doubles and sort of just dragging the Wizards to a few wins there. And he did the same thing in Houston. He and James Harden actually, I think, uh, started playing really well together. So Westbrook could become that as well here for Los Angeles if he follows that same sort of path that he's, that he's done for his last two teams. But ultimately, he's not a shooter. And yeah. I think I just don't think that is going to be what LeBron needs late in the game. LeBron can shoot. We know he's hit a million game winners and, and he can step out and hit the three. But any team will basically take Westbrook taking that shot because we know we Westbrook. Saw it last some, night. Yeah. And, and Westbrook sometimes, as we've seen in the playoffs, he becomes his own worst enemy because he yeah. gets into those little battles within the game where he's like, I'm going to shoot these guys. If they're going to lay off me, I'm going to shoot. And the other team's like, Okay, great, do it. So, <laughs> look, Westbrook's an incredible player, and, and what he's been able to achieve with the averaging triple-doubles for, what, five seasons in his career, he's an MVP. Uh, in terms of his uh, work ethic and his competitiveness, and I've never seen Westbrook take a, a playoff, let alone a game off. You know, there are other guys do sleep through games and periods at times, but I admire the fact that Russell Westbrook you know, despite his faults, and every player has them to to some degree, he gives 150% every time he's playing. And, um, you know, so you know that there are guys out there who don't. Some guys turn up and just like, I don't feel like it tonight. Well, that's never been a problem with Russell Westbrook. It's just, unfortunately, his game hasn't really adapted to the point where he's like, okay, I'm going to become a three-point mm -hmm. shooter. I remember Jason Kidd at the end of his career, all he really did was shoot threes. He yeah. was never a never great shooter. I mean, when he was, he was drafted, he was ace and kid. Ace and kid, that's right. But as his career progressed, he thought, well, okay, if I can just shoot these, then he was able to extend his career for a couple of seasons. So that's the sort of thing I'd like to see Westbrook do. But um, I, I just don't feel he's quite uh, built the same way in no. that sense. I think I think Westbrook would rather just go down firing his way and just uh, live with the consequences. It's kind of funny. We look at the game so differently now because of the amounts of information that we have. But I feel like if Russ played in the 80s and we had Russell Westbrook highlight films, he would be a completely, he would be perceived completely differently. Probably wins more championships because the game, the, the way that teams were built wasn't quite as analytically driven. They're, 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 the, the coaching, I don't think, was necessarily as smart. So I think Russ, if he plays in the 80s, even, you know, keeping his skill level relative to that era, because so much has changed technology speaking that that allowed Russ to be the, the athletic freak that he is. But 
if he plays in the 80s and you were you're you're, you're renting your videos in, in australia back then and i'm renting my videos and, like we would look at this guy so differently it would be yeah. a completely different conversation well especially a point guard to sort of dunked like he did you know he gets yeah. up there occasionally but not not the same way that he he did you know mainly in his okc days there where he would pick the ball up from the rebound yeah. and just charge down and throw down a you know ferocious one-handed dunk yeah that that sort of stuff in the 80s I mean, we, saw, we there, there are highlights of Charles Barkley doing that, and he was a power forward at what six five, six four and a half. Right. Um, so imagine Westbrook. You know, I guess he's around about that same sort of height. He's what six six, I guess. Uh, but to yeah, see, imagine, yeah. I mean, imagine your point guard. You know, average and triple double, put up these uh, you know incredible highlight reels. And you're right, the three pointer wasn't anywhere near as important to your game then. If you had that mid range game or just an ability to score like Westbrook. He probably is considered, you know, uh, even better than he is right now. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I like I, again. I, I sort of feel bad for Russ because, you know, the way that he did play in those early days and 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 the Thunder. Remember, they led the Heat one zero in the two thousand twelve finals. I thought the Thunder were going to win that series, and um, you know, you you would like Russ to have that championship so he could say to everyone like. I told you it was going to work, right? Um, right. But uh, he's just there's a couple of times as well where you just like that, like that series the Thunder had against the Blazers a few years ago when Lillard hit the the, the bomb. I mean, say unfortunately, West Russell Westbrook just kind of shot himself out of that series in in a few too many games, and um, he doesn't appear to have decided, okay, I'm going to change the way I'm playing. And instead, his his own stubbornness is going to keep him going for for as long as he's still in the league. I think. It's what makes him rust, though. So oh, the, sure. su the success that he's had to this point is because yeah. he approaches the game that way, and the way that he might exit the league is going to have a lot to do with that, too. It's it's kind of what makes him a fascinating, almost like Shakespearean NBA character. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> because, the, like I say, there are times we absolutely love watching how he just refuses to give up and he refuses to change. Even though at the same time you sometimes just like, oh, Russ, that's not your shot. You you are open for a reason. Again, yeah. you can hit that three. We know that, but teams will let you live with that because if you hit one, then you're going to take the next one, and then you're going to take the next one after that. And so yep. uh, it just. Um, but but again, it, as far as if you pay your entrance fee, you know you're going to get a guy who's going to go out there and do everything he can. But even when he gets into a fight with the. The mascots in Denver and stuff. Remember that? I mean, that that just shows how competitive he is. That he that he he, he refuses to sort of ever lower that guard uh, to show people that he's that he's you know he's he's always on when he's on the court. He's always competitive. Yeah, I forgot about that. He he like goaltended the half court shot, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, like that. that's, that's right. Incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, we were going to talk about some some general NBA stuff, and and there is a lot going on around the league. So so really quickly, just in general feel like this season has been like a will they won't they season like it's well is ben simmons gonna get traded and does dame actually want out of the out of portland and will the blazers now they finally fi fired uh, neil o'shea so now you, you you're probably gonna get a cj trade is is my guess though it kind of makes that difficult now because of the punctured lung hope he hope he makes a full recovery there and then i have the blazers with their own will they won't they thing and and, you know, as somebody who has to talk about the league on a night-by-night -night and day-by-day basis, um, how are you handling the, the 
it, you're getting, it feels like we're getting updates, but we aren't actually getting anything really all that new. So how, how are you handling the season so far? Yeah, well, I think that's another difference from now and, to, and the 80s when there was yes. only radio and newspapers. You know, you didn't have to do a, a sort of online show every day. Um, but look, we all love the speculation. We all love the rumors and the, like, is this guy going to get traded? Would he be a good fit? Is that the right team? All that because it doesn't mean anything until any of it happens. And, you know, that look, there's a lot of teams, it seems right now, who are on the verge of making a pretty big move. I would say, you know, Philadelphia, mm -hmm. of course. Portland, it seems absolutely it's going to be maybe the first domino to go there. And now we heard also the Indiana Pacers, uh, you know, apparently are considering also moving in a different direction. Then you've got to throw in someone like, you know, potentially Kyrie Irving is, is available too, uh, yeah. you know, considering what's going on there in Brooklyn. And then, you know, the, there's other teams out there as well. Like, you know, Pascal Siakam is, is probably gettable from the Raptors, which is a pretty big move considering mm -hmm. they signed him to that huge deal a few years ago. So it's one of those ones where we seem to be waiting for the first move to be made. And then you might all of a sudden see that sort of go into a two or three player, uh, three team trade. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden things go crazy. We know that um, in trade deadlines in the past, you know, in the, in the last day or so, things get really crazy when they've been a bit quiet. So we, we try to um, deal with it in a, in the most practical way possible, which is, uh, you know, what could possibly happen. But as I'm sure you're aware too, uh, if you bring a team into it, that isn't necessarily rumored to be in it, then all of a sudden the fans start getting very protective <laughs> of their players. And uh, yeah. it's a bit like fantasy basketball. I think everyone overrates their own players a little bit and underrates the other players a little bit too. So it's never easy. I, I, I last year, because I, I speculated that I thought Bradley Beal uh, not only would be traded, but should be traded. I think he, he's been great for Washington, but they're just not close. They're not competing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, man, I got a few uh, few angry people there, you know. Because, again, if if, if, if Bradley Beal's on your team, and, and, again, I'm sure, as you know, people, when a player is on a different team and then all of a sudden he joins their team, people quickly change their thing. Oh, I think this mm -hmm. guy's a great fit. I think he's very good. I think he's, you know. So I talked that, myself into Russell Westbrook. Exactly. I'm a homer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you know Network uh, on Twitter there, Jason Concepcion. And um, I remember talking to him last season. And, you know, the rumor was that he was going to go to the Knicks. And it was like, you know, oh, I don't want Russell there, but I can also see myself all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> Buying a jersey. Exactly. And, like, oh, yeah. Westbrook's actually just what we need. He's going to, you know, he's yeah. going to get wins in the Actually, triple-doubles are a great stat. Exactly, what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah. it, it's very hard. And, um, you know, I mean, look, it's hard. It's hard to get the salaries to match and to know exactly which team wants which player for which role and things like that. So our job, doesn't take into account what the general managers have to do and make it all work under the collective bargaining agreement and the salary capital, that stuff. So theirs is much harder. And that's, that's I think, part of the reason why we haven't seen anything yet because you've got some guys on astronomical oh contracts. Gosh. Yeah. So there's only a handful of players you can realistically trade in that scenario. Um, you know, you can't – because it's fine to say, well, we'll give you this guy for these four guys to match their salaries, but that doesn't – you know, if you're giving up one for three or four – yeah, that might just blow up in someone's face there anyway. So, but we've also got this weird situation where you know Ben Simmons, I mean, he's just not playing because he's you know he still hasn't been able to sort of come to terms with what happened last year in the playoffs mm -hmm. there with Philadelphia, and he and he's obviously uh, upset with the franchise. It's crazy to have a guy twenty five All NBA defense last year runner up he was for the trophy, 
and he's just not playing. I think everyone yeah. would love to have, in theory, you know, a player of his athleticism and ability on their team, but he brings a bit of baggage now, and I think that's something to be con- uh, something to consider. So uh, th- this is a it's a crazy time. It's a good time, and um, I, I think we are going to have again just before Christmas. I think you're going to see a few of these teams start to make some moves. I hope so. I'm, 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 I, I don't like will he, won't he, or will they, won't they in, in sitcoms. I'm not really a fan of it either in, <laughs> in the NBA. Um, all right, last thing uh, before we get out of here, I do this with all the guests. Uh, uh, Trey talked about the, the time in, in high school that he turned the ball over a ton, and, and he was uh, turnover Trey Kirby before he was taco Trey Kirby. Um, I have my, my, my most embarrassing sports moment. On Twitter, Harrison sends it out every chance that he gets. The 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 Euro stumble at, uh, oh, at also that. at Stummer League. Actually, you, <laughs> yeah. you take half court shots, I miss layups. You know, it's, that's how that goes. But do you have a do you have a most embarrassing sports moment? You said you grew up playing basketball. Do you do, yeah. do you have one that comes to mind? Yeah, I have two. In fact, uh, All right. the the first one was um, I was playing a game, and uh, so in in Australian basketball rules, I think this is sort of the international rules as well. Rather than get automatic two shots, you get a, a one-on-one, which means mm-hmm. you've got to hit the first one. If you make that, then you get a second one. If you miss the first one, you don't get that second one. And it was at the end of the game and we were down by a point and I got fouled, no time left. And I went oh, to the free no. throw line and absolutely bricked the first one. Just <laughs> oh, like, <no. laughs> so you don't even get a chance to tie the game. You know, like I was just like, oh my God. Like, oh man. How embarrassing That's is that? Um, so that's one. And then there was another one, which is even worse than this, because also in, in, in you know, those local leagues, you can have a draw. If, they get, if the to- scores are just tied at the end of the game, it's a draw. There's no overtime. Mm-hmm. And we were playing one day and uh, we were up by two points with like five seconds to go. And this guy came into lane and he sort of was my man. And I was trying to defend him and he threw the ball up. And just as the buzzer expired, the ball went in to tie the game. Oh, no. And I and got it- pissed. And well, I got pissy and I kicked the ball away in frustration. Oh no! I got hit oh, with no. a tech. You got they, a went to, <laughs> <laughs> they went to the free throw line, and uh, and I think because I, I think he actually got two shots for a tech foul then, but they went to the free throw line and hit the first one. I don't know if they even just, took the second one, but the game was over. over so I ah uh, oh, man, I I blew and you know walking back over to the bench and i was just, I'm, I'm sorry everyone i'm just like i'm so sorry i'm so did anybody sorry. say anything like did did you get like a uh, i i got i think i got the odd ah don't worry about it but you know when everyone sort of was a sort of side eyeing each other like as soon as you left can you believe uh, i know i know freaking I know, lee like, i know i i uh so yeah i had a, i had a couple of embarrassing moments out there but uh <laughs> you know, it's all part of the journey and uh, oh, yeah. it's all part of the fun of playing and uh, it's good to look back and laugh at them now. I always like to ask, like, how, how long ago was that? Because, you know, Trey remembered one from when he was in high school, you know, 20-ish years ago. Um, the one that I had, I, I have way, you know, I, I talked about one on a previous show playing baseball when I was like eight years old. Some of these moments like last a, a lifetime. Oh, yeah. How long ago were, were, were yours? Uh, well, I was playing, uh, men's leagues, but, um, I was probably a teenager. So I was around, 
you know, 15 or 16 years old, which is uh, like 30 years ago now. Holy crap. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I, I used to play and then I, I, I'd actually yeah. be on my dad's team as that's that we would sort of break into playing in the in the men's leagues. I would play in the lower leagues with my dad. And then as you as you grow, you sort of move up the ranks. But I, I think I was probably, yeah, 15, 16, 17, around that age. Um, was, was your dad on the team w- that you lost because you kicked the ball? No, not that one. Oh. He, was, he was on the team where I missed the free throws. Uh, oh, man. I, I, I think I did tell him, though, about the tech foul, and, and, and it was just like he just – I don't think he said anything. I think he just looked at me, dropped his head, and just walked off, which <laughs> said more than he – could ever say with words. <laughs> well, that's that's fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Lee, for, for hopping on. Uh, again, No Dunks, Inc. is where you can find him every day. I was watching you guys live earlier today. I've been I've been a giant fan of your guys' show and the general approach that you guys take uh, to the NBA. And I, and again, I want to thank you for for kind of stewarding the 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 notion of a podcast and and eventually making it so that an idiot like myself could could hop on here and be called podcast by James Worthy. Well, uh, thanks very much for having me, Anthony. It's been a, a real pleasure. And uh, I always love talking to, uh, you know, Los Angeles Lakers uh, fans and, and podcasts and blogs and things like that, because uh, it, it's, it, you know, everyone's got an opinion about the Lakers. You can either love them or hate them, but they're not just one of those teams or franchises that people just, you know, say, oh, I don't really... Yeah. You know, there's it's one way or the other. It's like, right. you know, I mean, uh, and, and again, the Lakers playing the Celtics last night. Both teams kind of, you know, middle of the pack right now. But uh, you wouldn't know that on Twitter. It's like this is like winning a championship again, and the Lakers uh, lost in Boston, so it was good for them to get it back. But uh, yeah, it's honestly the Lakers are, uh, you know, my my first team was the Lakers, so uh, that's it's incredible. Great to, it's, yeah, it's great to be uh, be on the podcast here with you. Well, I'll have to bring you back then. We'll have to we'll have to commiserate through this Lakers season together. <laughs> well, let's let's yeah, I mean, let's not talk about this one. Let's talk about the eighties and uh there you go. You know, yeah, I mean let's let's go back then with some more uh fun times. I mean, and then obviously the early two thousands as well, and then the mid two thousands, of course, they came back and won a couple more. So uh yeah, I'd be more than happy to join you. Awesome. All right, thank you very much, everybody. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.